Hi everyone, Francisco here. Just before we get started, I wanted to share something I'm really excited about. I recently launched the Story Powers Bootcamp, a course that teaches you everything you need to know about how to find, craft, and tell stories that work. But it's not just an online course, because you get personalized feedback from me for all the practical activities and three hours of live coaching to work through any challenges or focus on specific projects. So it's like if you bought a cookbook, but the chef came along with it. So go to storypowers.com and click on course. All the information you need will be there. So please check it out. And if you love the show and would like to support us, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash storypowers. I drink about five coffees a day, so any support would be much appreciated. All right, on with the show. Welcome to the Story Powers Podcast, the show about the power of stories, the people who tell them, and why you should be doing it too. I'm your host, keynote speaker and storytelling coach, Francisco Mafus. My guest today is Amy Blaschka. Amy is a social media ghostwriter who helps leaders craft their stories to communicate and connect better. She has made a career offering stories as a service and has spent three decades branding products, places, and people. As a longtime leadership contributor for Forbes, she also covers personal transformation and its impact on career growth. On top of all that, Amy has the rare distinction of having a coffee drink named after her. Ladies and gentlemen, here's my conversation with the amazing Amy Blaschka. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Francisco. Yes, I, I have that, that. That is, I don't think I've ever had an introduction mention that little bit, which is so much a part of me. And it's funny because even though this is all audio, you can see I am holding that said coffee drink in my hand right now. You are indeed. Do you want to explain to me what, because I understand it's a latte, right? But was it the Amy latte, the Blaschka latte? So it's, it's an almond milk latte, but right. it has cinnamon powder steamed into the almond milk. Um, rather than just sprinkle cinnamon on top, uh, one of the baristas, I, I, the coffee shop that I frequent, it's a chain, but it's called Pete, P-E-E-T apostrophe S. It's based here in California. And um, every day, every morning, it's sort of my ritual. I get up and I put my dog in my car and Rigby, he comes with me and we'll go to the Pete. And I have been ordering this drink. I think I'd started with regular milk and then I'd switched over to almond milk. I was trying something different. And the priest at the time, the manager, he said, you know, I noticed that you sprinkle cinnamon on top of your latte. And, you know, we can steam it in. And it's kind of nice because it just infuses it through. I thought, oh, great. And I loved it. And it's really good that way. For anyone listening, you should try that. Um, but because I'm there literally every day, um, and, you know, when you order a drink, you have to say, oh, I want this. I want, you know, this way and this way. And, and, and can you steam the cinnamon in for me? And I was there enough that everybody working there, you don't need to tell us. I'm like, oh, you should just have an Amy button on your register. And I said, yeah, you know, we, we just refer to it right now as the Amy. So, you know, even when we're telling each other, we just say, oh, it's just the Amy. They'll, instead of typing in, please, you know, steam in cinnamon and make it on the, like, the Amy. So they said, we, we call it that. And, and, you know, somebody overheard you ordering another customer. And they said, well, what is that drink? They said, well, that's that's the Amy. Said, well, I want the Amy too. <laughs> so it's not on their board. I guess that you would call it, um, you know, a secret menu. But if somebody asks for the Amy, then everybody there knows exactly what the drink is. So, yeah, so um, that's you, kind of fun. You, 
you could consider that the next step would be getting on the board, but perhaps there's a secret charm to it. This is the real test. If you ever went to another Pete's and said, I would like the Amy, and they said, oh, yes, of course, the Amy. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I should try that. I should try that, yes. Well, unfortunately now, of course, all the ordering is done via mobile app. So there's no way for me to tag it in there. But uh, when we are past this uh, period of isolation and, you know, I can actually maybe frequent another piece, I, I will certainly try that. That, that. that would be a fun test. And what if they did? What if they're like, oh, of course, <laughs> with you, Amy, it's like a code word. But yeah, it's great. Well, it's in, delicious. <laughs> I, live in, I live in Spain and mm-hmm. they... I don't know if you've ever tried having coffee in Spain. I mean, they have mm-hmm. the normal, the regular types of yeah. coffee. But I, when I moved here from England, I was baffled about the variety of orders because Spanish people are very peculiar about many things. But when it comes <laughs> to coffee, it's just, so you can have coffee from the machine, which is how most people have it in a coffee shop. But you can have filter coffee. You can have instant coffee. People will order instant coffee. So, so there's three variables there for you. Then you have... All the variations you can have with milk, like you know, normal milk, steamed milk, or whatever. Now you have all the different types of milk. Yeah, the different types, then, yeah. then you have the ratios. So you know, you yeah. have a latte, you have a white coffee, and then they have. Yeah. But what is the one that I, I love the name? There's one they called the manchado, which is the stained. So it's just milk with a little bit of coffee. But oh, they could order. Yeah. So so they'll say a black coffee. I know a stained coffee, but a little stained or very stained. Yeah, the degree of stain. I mean, I mean, if you you just put all the variables in, I mean, the, the I mean, there are baristas really because it's a pretty straightforward process. But you're talking about maybe hundreds of variations of the stuff. It's just crazy. It's funny. It's so customizable, and people are very serious. I mean, about their coffees here. It, it's it's so funny. My husband is like black coffee. <laughs> He's very simple, although. He's very finicky too because he'll he'll say, "Well, I can taste the difference between just that plain, but I like the dark roast. I prefer an African pea berry versus you know a blend of other stuff, Costa Rica." You know, so I think people, I don't know, it's one of those. I think it was something that was very much a commodity and sort of eh, whatever before, and now it has become this sort of um, extension of yourself, of your personality, of your brand, of your you know sort of like well what for me i mean yeah the amy but um you know it gets the thing and and i guess for me the coffee now getting that drink it is part of my daily ritual so it is more than just i'm going to have a cup of coffee for me that even the first sip signals okay it's time to sit down and get to work because that for me that's when i do my creative work best is in the mornings and when i have that latte in my hand or next to me next to my laptop it's like that it, it's something that that cue of taking that sip and sort of okay now is the time and that having that taste in my mouth linger tells me tells my brain okay it's it's time to get to work Amy so um, you know it's it's funny how we attribute so much to coffee and and how it becomes part of our lives and how it can be so so customizable and personable right so it's you know and how do you take your coffees i didn't even ask well, i i'm a fan of what here is called an americano you oh know, yes. the american, with the, the hot yeah <laughs> no 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 the, no 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 the american or the americano is the the super watered down well it's a filter coffee 
right? It was like a watered-down filter coffee. So if they ever decide to water that even further so that you can drink about five mugs a day um, <laughs> and call that the Francisco, I think that would be <laughs> okay. fine. That's so funny. Okay. Well, I think you should start something there. Why not? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, right, so let's let let's bring me back from this massive digression. <laughs> it's what happens. Uh, <laughs> story tell, it's like oh. <laughs> one one thing I think on the same interview that I heard you talk about the the the, the latte that had your name on it, you also talked about one of your previous jobs that you said in in theory has nothing to do with storytelling, but actually had quite a lot to do, which is at as a at a travel agency. It wasn't a travel agency, so it's um, I worked in travel and tourism. I was the CEO of what's called the Destination Marketing Organization. So it is you were tasked with marketing a destination and bringing people, visitors in, right, and ensuring they have a great experience. And so you work with hospitality partners like hotels and restaurants and attractions, that sort of thing. Yeah, so it it is a funny, like, what? Why did you? I mean, I came from sort of agency land and branding and everything and kind of just fell into tourism, but the thing, there are a couple common threads that I think now it makes sense. At the time, everyone's like, what the, what are you doing? I, and, and practically at that time in my life, my husband and I had just had our first of two daughters. And uh, prior, I had been commuting in, I live outside of San Francisco by about 30 miles. I've been commuting into San Francisco and traveling all over the country for my branding clients. And it, it was, I loved it. But it wasn't very practical once we had a child. Uh, the commute, or even just the travel schedule that involved with seeing clients all over the place. So, is any, is anything very practical when you have children? Well, I mean, versus having a job that was closer, didn't have right. commute, or not having the travel schedule where I had to be on a plane and, and do all these sure. things. So keep, the answer is no. Mind, there's nothing convenient. <laughs> keep in mind that if I, I'm recording this from inside what I call the fortress of pillows, which is my, <laughs> which is my daughter's room, uh, surrounded by pillows. And I always have to remember before I start recording to take her, her you know, her, her pajamas hang just behind me. And the, I first I recorded me, I was like, what is that hanging behind you? Is that underwear? I was like, <laughs> child's pajamas, but you're close enough. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Yes. So no, yes. <laughs> Right. So you, so you, you, did you go then when you went to the, the destination uh, marketing uh, company? Yes. So um, I had been home with our oldest daughter, like being a stay at home mom, which no one thought I could do for a little over a year. And it was, I was like, okay, it's time for both of us to talk to people our own age. And um, I started looking around, knowing I, I didn't want to have to commute again. I didn't want to have a travel schedule. And um, a friend of mine had said, hey, you, you know, you should interview for this thing. They call it a CBB, a Convention and Visitors Bureau. Um, they're looking for a new CEO. And I'm like, I've never worked in tourism. What do you but I thought, you know what? It has been forever since I've interviewed or done anything. It's probably good practice to come. So I kind of threw my name in a hat, not expecting much. Well, I got called for an interview and I got called. Ended up in the final two and I was presenting to their board of directors because it's a nonprofit entity that these typically are. And um, it just worked. And they offered me the position and I took a leap of faith, which is kind of been a theme for me too. It's sort of following kind of a curiosity and oh, what could I do? But, but the idea there and the reason that it makes 
intent is because I had come from a branding background where it was all about kind of shining a light on the best attributes of, you know, prior to that, it was, you know, Coca-Cola or Salsa Tequila. So it was product based. Um, but now instead of, you know, a can of soda, what I was trying to promote in a way and tell a story about it and invite people in was a destination. And, um, and I love that. So there was that common thread. And I love people. I love working collaboratively. And the people that work in hospitality and tourism are people people. Most people, they should be because they're interfacing with other folks and they want to provide a service. They want to have an exceptional experience. And so people of that mindset, they're very much about serving others and making ensuring that great experience, that's what made up the bulk of the people I was interfacing with or visitors and, and, and community members, that sort of thing. Um, and so I stayed there for just under like 10 years in that role, which I never thought I would. So I'm like, what? And, um, and it was great because I had a chance to build and tell the story of that destination and meet others in um, sort of similar things. And I love traveling and sort of my husband. So it gives an opportunity to kind of do more of that um, with friends in the industry and kind of have other greater experiences. So yeah, it seemed like a detour, but you know, that was just another stepping stone in sort of that um, storytelling sort of thread that runs through my entire career experience. Uh, when you were telling stories for a destination, what shape did those stories usually take? Because because I think we, we exposed a lot to the sort of one-liners, you know, nice picture, one-liner, and that's that. But were you able to do a lot more uh, than that? I mean, yes and no. So you, I mean, you have sort of vehicles like your website, you have, you know, ads that you're doing, you, you know, whether they are print ad or they're a radio ad or all these different mix of communications. And then, and then if you are running that company and you are, you become that spokesperson locally, whenever you're traveling through an industry. So you become that brand too, much like a CEO of any other company kind of speaks and it's sort of a figurehead for that too. So um, when I had a chance to speak about my destination, I was able to tell the story there and kind of, you know, its roots. And and, and so, yes, it's, it's not as, you know, it's not exactly the same as something like Coca-Cola or even a person, but the fundamentals of trying to attract others through the vehicle of storytelling Um less about a hard sell um, and, you know, trying to you know, push, push something out somebody's throat and rather that kind of pull strategy, right, of, of making it very enticing and intriguing and wanting someone to come and visit because it's like, oh, that sounds wonderful or, or that, that resonates with me. Wow, that sounds like me or I, I really like that. But, you know, she said or what they said about this area so, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of a little of both. You, there's only so much you can do. It wasn't just like we came up with a tagline and we did this. And it's like most things. It's not just a one and done. It's kind of continually and it kind of evolves over time. And it's through multiple mediums and, and methods. So I think that the destination marketing industry is going to go through a um, very simple period once it once we are able to travel again because I assume most most advertising for destination is going to be visit Venezuela because you can because <laughs> you can but now I mean what's happening here is that um, nobody's really flying or anything but you know what's what's popular now is RVs you know recreational vehicles that people are 
like our neighbor is just doing this now with a family, like five RVs, and they're just traveling down the California coast because they can, or that's all they can do. Or, you know, just if they have, if anybody has like a second home, like on a lake, or even if it's meager cabin something, at least it feels like you're getting away. So, you you know, you are. And I think this is the most attractive destination of all anywhere that's not your house Um, (laughs) because it's out of the house is the other because you can because it's not your house that that's the marketing that's going to be gold for at least six months and people okay fine we get it covid is 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 gone or mostly gone we we can go back to normal communication you you say yourself that you offer stories as a service right so and, and i know a lot of that is to do with with ghostwriting so the question i have for you is why is ghostwriting not cheating <laughs> well at least the way i do it it is not cheating so when i work with leaders and i go straight for them my goal is to make sure that whatever we write together it sounds like them because it is 95% of it is it's their words it's their phrasing, it's their cadence. So when we talk, um, a huge part of what I do, uh, probably my best skill um, in terms of ghostwriting and writing in general is listening because I can write anything. I could write something for you and you could put your name on it, but it's not going to, it, it wouldn't sound like you unless we had had a conversation and I'm taking copious notes on, okay, Francisco says, this is how he likes to say it and the, the order and how he strings together sentences. If he's someone that is very staccato and, and uses short little things, I have some clients like that are very direct and like boom, boom, boom. Or is it a little bit more flowy? Is it this? Is it that? So needs to be about that client. It needs to be in their voice. It needs to be, you know, in their tone. It needs to be reflective of who they are as a leader, what matters most to them, their perspective, their unique point of view. Um, I think, you know, anyone that is successful doesn't get there alone. They have a team of people that they work with and experts in what they do and helping them get along. So it's not it's not that they paid me to write something that they had nothing to do with. It's all of their ideas. It's all of their insights. It's just me helping them draw it out, rearrange it, and put it together in a way to, and deliver it back to them. And, you know, if but there's any reason that they read something I write and they're like, I would never say that or I would change this word. There was an opportunity to edit before. It's not just a blind thing that they, that they suddenly post it. But um, it's a partnership. It really is. And it's based on true conversation. And the longer that we work together, the easier it gets for both of us. So not cheating. <laughs> I, I, I was obviously just trying to, to mess with you. But I do like that you could actually have a, a, a tagline somewhere that says, with me, it's not cheating. I understand where that comes from, that sentiment, because most people, when you say ghostwriting, they they go to a book, right? They that the ghostwritten books. That's their experience. Most people are like, "There's what's a social media ghostwriter? What is that?" So they assume it's the same process, but it's a little different. And I don't blame them, but I, and I've been asked this before, so it's it's fine. I have no problem, kind of lifting the curtain of, of sort of on the process and experience, but. It's okay. You're not messing with me. That's that's a legitimate question to ask. And, and you know, people ask it all the time, you know, so no problem. Well, something else I wanted to know, and, and I think I've heard you say this, but I wanted to double check. Uh, so do you, the examples you used there were a very specific post or an article, but is something you do as well helping them figure out or write their story? Yeah. So I'm a social media ghostwriter, but the other side of my business that is Picked up tremendously 
but actually evolved from the ghostwriting is this. I call it a career story package. So my social media ghostwriting is a monthly retainer. So this is a long-term we program that we work on together over time. But what happens in the best of all possible worlds as a working you know, social media ghostwriting is the client is posting consistently. Um, they have consistency and discipline in posting about those one, two, three topics where they are experts. So this is all about their thought leadership. Um, and they're doing it in a consistent basis. And their audience comes to expect that. And they like that. And they engage with it. And naturally, when you read something from someone that you like, oh, that's really interesting. You pique their interest. They click over because most of my clients, their primary platform and social media is uh, LinkedIn. They will click over to their profile. And they want to know more, right? And a lot of my clients had incomplete um, or old profiles or just it, the problem was it didn't align. What they were putting out content wise did not li- align with sort of the way they were presenting and positioning themselves through their um, story through LinkedIn and their profile. So I came up with a program where, or a, a project where I have four parts and call it your career story where I will work with them and do a deep dive, like an hour call with them. And we uncover sort of where they are now versus where they want to be. Because ideally, you want everything to connect and align and support each other. Somebody reads something about you. They shouldn't scratch their heads if they've just read a piece of content you put out and then they go to your profile and it's it's completely like that that's incongruent. <laughs> What's happening? Who is this person really? You want to make it easy for someone to quickly understand who you are, what you're about, who you serve, why you, what differentiates you. So the first piece I do, I call the backstory. And this can apply to your LinkedIn about or summary, or a lot of my clients are um, founders and they or they have their own companies and it can also be part of their about section about them. Um, it's really, that is sort of the bulk of telling a narrative about who they are in that about section. A lot of folks on LinkedIn neglect that prime real estate. It's there for a reason. I mean, we all have the experience uh, section on LinkedIn, which is functions like a resume, right? It's a chronological listing of your current and past experience, which is terrific, but you have an opportunity in the about section to weave that into a narrative. And I like to write that in first person because I feel like that is much more compelling and it does not put a barrier between you and the reader. Because, it's, it's because, you're, not a, because you're not a nutter who talks about themselves in the third person. Francis, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds so weird. Yes, Amy has studied the art of storytelling for. Te- it's like Amy, I know you're writing this. Stop talking. Well, person. you know, and I think people just default. They think, well, this is where I put my bio, right? And that's always traditionally in a third person. So I tell them, like, look, if this is an opportunity, make it first person. Even if I'm not writing it for you, please change it so it's first person. So you are speaking to the reader, right? This is your opportunity. This is a chance to tell that and. Um, and I like writing it as, an, as a story. That's really that career story because for a lot of folks, they have um, they feel like they can't string together their uh, if they have, especially if a nonlinear path in their careers. How what is the common thread? And I help them get to that and write it in such a way that it all makes sense. And they're like, yeah, that's cool. And they can kind of stand behind that. Um, and then the other pieces then support that. So I have that backstory, which is the bulk of it. Write a headline that also aligns with kind of who they are. It's not generic. It's not just defaulting to whatever their current role is. It also speaks 
speaks about them, it also speaks about who they serve and how they do this. So people can quickly read that and go, oh, this woman or this man, this is who I need to talk to. And then I have a what I do, which is really more the descriptive copy under your experience of your current role. And again, that's going to align with all the other pieces. And then I also write them a traditional bio because especially now people are invited onto podcasts and people are doing other things. And if you don't already have a bio that aligns with those other pieces, you'll be scrambling. And it's nice to have this toolkit in place that you feel comfortable. You feel like it represents who you are, who you are trying to be. For many people, they come to me, not just because they've been ghostwriting clients, or they'll come to me to talk about ghostwriting and we start with the career story. Or separately, they just come to me because they've made a huge pivot, especially this is why my business on that that side of my business has picked up, I think, in COVID-related stuff. People are like, well, now's the time. I'm going to start a podcast or I'm going to do this. I'm going to shift industries. I'm going to go out on my own. I've always wanted to do this and I want to do this, Amy, but I need you to help me help position me and help tell my story in a way that that makes sense because forever I've been in the corporate world or I'm suddenly going to nonprofit, or I've only done startups, or now I am doing startups. So it's a lot of different reasons, but it comes down to those basics of personal personal branding, but it's branding, right? It's about positioning. It's about clarity. It's about putting yourself out there in such a way that makes it easy for others to understand quickly who you are and what you're about. And again, it draws others to you. And aligned with the social media ghostwriting, that content that somebody is putting out if that is exciting someone enough to have them click back to your profile, when they get there, there'll be no surprises. They'll be like, it'll just reinforce, yes, this is somebody that, you know, I need to work with. And that's the other part of when I when I help them with their backstories and with their career stories. It's, well, what do you want? That's always my first question. What do you want? And you need clarity around that. And if that answer is different for everyone. But um, some people, they have a job, they're gainfully employed, but maybe they're trying to attract new talent to their company. Maybe they're the CEO. Maybe they need an investor. Maybe they want partners. Maybe they just want to broaden their network. Maybe they want to shift careers. It's sort of the thing. So when you have that, what do you want? It's sort of that overarching sort of, this is what I want and this is what I'm about. It's a lot easier to create those pieces that help support that goal. Um, otherwise, you're, you're just spinning your wheels and you're, you know, you're missing an opportunity. You're making it harder on yourself. And when you tell that that career story, do you find that you tend to focus more on specific moments or the journey? Um, it's a little of both, honestly. If if my client has had, and they won't realize this, but we'll be having a conversation. They may have a, a trigger event that happened when they were a child, something that had a great impact on them that really set them on a path in a certain thing or help them realize something about themselves or later in life, it could be a personal thing. It could be professional thing. But if that is sort of that hook, if that it becomes that theme, then we will weave that throughout the journey though. You know, it's, if it's a natural progression of things that make sense, you know, uh, in terms of where they are and where they want to go, then we will talk about all of those things. So it's a little of both, but in that journey, there's got to be some compelling something. There's something that, you know, if they're still on that path, what is it exactly? And and oftentimes they won't be able to articulate it until we're talking through that. And I'll say, so is it this? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I guess that is. Or I didn't realize that about myself. So this process becomes, I've had, <laughs> I've had clients, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a coach, but I've had clients say, this is like therapy because they are talking about things that are really deeply 
moving to them personally. Maybe they've never talked to another human being about their sort of career journey and, and what they want. And, you know, there's no judgment with me. I'm just trying to get at their truth. You know, what, what is it that they want? So they're able to kind of open up and, you know, talk to me about things and they may not even realize it because they've been sort of on this hamster wheel of just, I have to go, 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 go. I have to achieve, achieve. And when they sort of take that moment to pause and kind of step back and, you know, figure that out. Well, what, what do you want? I know you've done this in this book, but what do you want? You know, and I'll keep at it. I won't work with them until they can answer this question. And they might go, I don't know. I said, but if you did know, what would it be? You know, and they're afraid to kind of acknowledge that. And sometimes it's so far removed from where they've been, even if they're super professional, super accomplished, they'll say, but you know, I've always wanted to do this. And I'll say, okay, then do that. And if you want to do that, then let's help use this, everything else to help you kind of, this is what guides you there. So it's kind of, it's really cool. It's very fulfilling for me. I get to be their biggest cheerleaders because I can see the brilliance in these people. They're so like, they don't, so many people, I think, undervalue their gifts because if something comes easy to us, we tend to discount it, right? We think that everybody can do this because, oh, it's no big deal. I've always done this. It comes very naturally and easily. And you think, no biggie. That's not what makes me different because everybody does that, but they don't realize that. You know, they need someone that no, this is kind of a big deal. This is this is a gift. So it's it's fun to go through that process and for them to see it. And finally, you know, when they have something, a narrative that is written, they go, Oh, okay. And they and they feel good, you know, because they, they should feel good. But it's nice to have that piece done. I don't know if this is a an incredibly encouraging thing or 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 depressing in some ways, is that and, and I think I've heard you say something along those lines, is that how most people can't see their own story. I think you might have said they can't see their own brilliance, I think is the term you used. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's shocking this because, and this is everyone, you know, people will say, oh, because you know, this, will, this job would suit you fine because you did this. And I'm like, what? And then you speak to a few people and they're like, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's this... this, this inability to as, as much as we might be self-aware people but this inability to connect the dots in our own personal or professional story is it's it still baffles me about how much that is the case and i've seen people use you mentioned you're not a, a therapist or a coach but i have actually seen a coach that uses this as one of his exercises and he calls it uh branded i think so he, he does this sort of therapeutic deep dive into the person's history about their parents and all of those yeah. things to then try and find out you know one connecting thread in the story and say okay so you were a rebel and all the jobs you've gone through that the, the, you rebelling against certain things was was the main thread there so now because the coach is coaches so it says now you're a coach the people you should be trying to help are rebels and we were like right. that never occurred to me like I Isn't that never, funny? yeah yeah it's yeah so that's that's so true people don't they don't see that it's well it is hardest to be most objective about yourself right and as much as like you said we can be self-aware and we can think oh yes i am you know, completely tuned into who i everybody needs help everybody needs a little help and it's a great exercise to go through with you know people who know you who, who you trust you know that that you can just say well what about this because if you are willing to ask and to listen and people know that that they're able to they're like do you really want to hear because yeah, i think so often we we 
you, you say you want to know something, you say you want the truth, but people don't want the truth. You know, if you're willing to, to be receptive to learning about yourself, and maybe the, even if you don't think that's the way you are coming across and who you really are, it's very valuable to hear from others. It's like, well, this is what I'm getting from you. And this is what I think. And this is what I hear. Particularly if, like you said, like someone is making those connections and the observations, like, well, you've done this and this and this, and it seems like, and, and that's exactly what I do with my clients, um, is finding that common thread, even if they're, it has nothing to do with job title, nothing to do with industry, but there'll be something like that, that they're a rebel, or they love building things, or they're all about transformation, or, you know, pick something that they're like, and once you can find that little bit, they'll go, oh, it's like this huge aha for them. It's, it's, it's great for them, but I'm telling you, for me, it, I get like, oh, good. I found that, that, that sort of hidden thing that was always right there, hidden in plain sight for them, you know, that they just never were able to kind of articulate or put their finger on. But when somebody else outside of them is able to kind of point, like, could it be this? They're like, oh, yeah, well, I guess so. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And when you can have that clarity and you can do that, it's so much easier because then like, like this guy, like, yeah, that's who you should be coaching or other rebels, right? It's you're able to do that and you can focus rather than just ruminate or, or be, you know, the worst thing we can try to do is, is be everything to everyone, right? In business that doesn't serve anyone. It's a watered down version of you and it doesn't help anyone. It's the more you can niche down and be very specific about who you are and who you help. Um, the better. And I think people shy away from that because they feel like, well, if I get too narrow in my focus, I'm going to you know, miss out on business opportunities. But the inverse is true. It's very counterintuitive. But if you're like, no, it, these are who I work with, you'll be able to, those people are able to find you because they know that's what you're specializing in. And the people that don't align and aren't really wanting that, it, they can follow away and you can refer them to somebody else if it doesn't work. So it's, it's really an interesting exercise, um, but I do think having someone other than you help you with that, like, you know, it's good to do the self-work, but there's certainly something to be said for an outside, third-party, objective person who's like, this is what I'm seeing, you know, and it's, it's that observation and, and sort of, like you said, connecting the dots for them that maybe people need most. I'm mindful of our time, so I just have one last question to you, which is, you know, having having knowing that your background is, is you know, storytelling, telling through and through even though there is that slight aggression that now makes sense in the story because you know part of the storyteller <laughs> is being able to make sense of the bits that don't make well oh of course that was just storytelling in a different part oh, Lord, so, that's so i read a lot of your forbes articles right and when you write those, you don't use what I would consider a storytelling approach to them. So you're not coming at them from a Michael Lewis side. I mean, is anyone coming at it, anything from Michael Lewis side? But but you're not you know, telling the story and then getting the, the, the message out of it. You, you sort of capturing attention very well with the headlines and then going to straight into the message. Is there a particular reason why you use that approach in, for Forbes? Well, because for that, that I feel like that is what works best for Forbes. You know, it's not set up for a narrative format. It is a business-focused audience that is in and out. And I try, you know, every once in a while, I have more of a feature article that has a little bit more of that in there. Um, but the way that for that medium, for that outlet, it is there. It's it's a little it's a little different. Um, so it's 
less about a traditional narrative in storytelling and more about being an exercise in being concise and brevity and getting that point across in such a way for a business audience that is, when we say, you know, a short attention span. <laughs> Honestly, right now, uh, there are very few people that actually take the time to read a longer form article. So it, it needs to be constructed in such a way that will lend itself to people actually taking the time, which is, I mean, like three minutes, maybe, I, depending on the length of three to five minutes. But it's amazing, you know, so um, that's a very deliberate choice on my part, because that that aligns with that medium. I feel like I could try to write something that's more storytelling, but um, because it's a business-focused audience and I'm writing about leadership and career, that's the section I write for, unless I'm writing a feature and, and include somebody's history in that, I probably wouldn't do it in a more traditional storytelling. Yeah, I think the question I have with with the dilemma that you are that you're mentioning there is you know the whole the business focused audience not that much attention span because that's a problem that that I come up all the time and I'm trying to explain to people that they should use more storytelling um you know oh but people are not going to sit down and listen blah, blah, blah. and the argument is always that well no if you do it properly they will sit down and listen so so I think what I would be perhaps interested in finding out is how I mean, I don't know how easy it is to compare these things, but if there was ever a way to compare the more tactical articles mm -hmm. from, you know, if there was, so I think one recent one was, um, I think how uh, Tim Ferriss, uh, the, the skill he values more is time management, right? I think that was one that was uh, not that long ago. So my qu my query would be, if you, if you got a whole bunch of, of those when it's very direct and very much to the point and you, compare those to the same article, the same takeaway, but with an actual story, how much would, would there be any difference in how they're remembered? You know, these people that have don't have a chance, you know, would they absorb it more if it was an actual story? Or they just would not even bother to listen after the first two lines because they go, oh, no, no, I don't have time for this. So Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I will tell you this. I track all of my content um, in terms of its performance and engagement. So, and at least for the Forbes things, they will, if you go, every um, contributor has a page that has all of their articles. So I have like, I don't know, like 116, something like that. And they will have at the bottom of the top, your top 10. And if you look at those, it will tell you very clearly, like the Tim Ferriss one, that's like, I don't know, or whatever. Um, you know, the top one, it's going to include, it has other leaders that are highlighted and, you know, but it, it ha it's more of more in that style that we were talking about that do best. And there are clear takeaways also in almost like it doesn't have to be a how to necessarily, but certainly this is why this is, you know, this is why this leader is great at this or Tim Ferriss. It's like Tim, and even in Tim, that Tim Ferriss article, I think there were seven different things that in a long time management that, you know, so people have those clear takeaways. So it may just be on Forbes itself. I, I've written articles on LinkedIn and on Medium and on Thrive Global. Um, again, it's a very, like what works on Thrive Global is a, is a little different, right? So the audience is expecting a different sort of um, experience. And medium is is the same thing. It, it can be kind of across the board. It can be very much more uh, that, that formulaic kind of business thing, or it can be a, a, an essay, a narrative, different things. So you know I'm a fan of storytelling. I think I would like to see more of it in business. And, and, and like when we are, when I'm working with leaders, I say it's important because as you know, 
don't remember stories more. They remember that. This is something that kind of resonates with them. And it's not, stories are very, they aren't the hard sell. Stories are much more, there's a moral, there's something you learned. It ends with some value and some sort of, it's like a serve, not sell message. And that's very much like the, the pull strategy versus the push, 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 push. People don't really want that. But I think it's, I have to walk a fine line with the Forbes articles just because I've, I've seen like some of the things that have been a little more narrative and telling a story, <laughs> nobody wanted to read it. So it's like, well, okay. Um, it doesn't mean I'll never do it, but um, once you know, it's, it's kind of peppered in there. Maybe one every five articles will be written in that way in a different format than the, you know, Ferris articles or you have the, the seven things. Fair enough. I'm going to link on the show notes all the places that people can find you. So let me just ask that, that typical question in a slightly different way. Where do you want people to find you? Of all the places they can find you, where what's the place they should really go um, if they want to either speak to you or, or just get the, the most interesting or, or most novel stuff you're doing now? I mean, they can go to my website. Certainly, I'm all over social media, right? Um, LinkedIn is my primary platform. I'm also on Instagram and, and Twitter. But my website has a sampling of my, you know, Forbes articles there. So you'll be able to get that. It has more about me and my story and my you know, bio. It has about my services. It kind of it talks more about, you know, what I do. And if they want to get in touch with me, there's an easy way to do that as well to contact me. So that's just amyblashka.com. And you will link to this because no one can spell my last name without <laughs> they'll be able to get to it easily that way. That's probably the best way. Uh, Amy, thank you very much for your time today. And uh, this is something I've seen in one of your updates. I understand you're working on a novel. I can only wish you luck because writing a book is not for the faint of heart. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, I will. uh, This is my promise to you is that is very much a narrative <laughs> you know, it's a psychological thriller so it's it's di- way different from my Forbes articles but uh, I'm excited about that and yeah so uh, just yeah thanks for the thanks for the well wishes on that <laughs> it'll take some more work all right everyone thanks for tuning in take care of yourselves and until next time I hope you enjoyed the show and if you did I'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a review or a rating on the Apple Podcasts app. It's very easy. You open the app and find this show. Then scroll down a little, and when you see the stars, tap. I'd really appreciate it, and it does help other people find us. And if you'd like to get in touch or find out more about what I do, reach out to me on LinkedIn or visit my website, storypowers.com.